0: Thank you, brother. Amen. It's good to be in God's house tonight, right? You know, God puts messages out here for us that sometimes we're going, we're arguing with God. Why, Why this? What's the deal? But God's evidently got something for you because he comes up starts talking about people that are depressed and Blue Monday. And the title of my message tonight is, you're going to get through this. So I guess God knows somebody's here tonight that needs this message, and that's what we're going to be doing. Last week, pastor did a lot of testimonies, and people talked about all the things that God had delivered them through. It's really encouraging to hear all the things that people have been, from, from the sicknesses they got through, from being in jail and, and getting out, and all the things they had to go through, but God brought them through. And how many know that tonight God will bring us through too, right? Yes, right? He will. Well, before we get started, let's make a couple of announcements need to make sure you guys know everything that's going on around here. This Friday night, I may have put my eyeballs on to read this, at 5 o'clock, the Mountain Movers are having a game night over in the uh, Fellowship Hall, and they're inviting everybody to come out and and play different games with them. They're going to have some sort of food there that night. There's no cost for this, and I want to remind you of of that. Uh, Obviously, we have church on Sunday, both services there, and then if you've haven't bought your ticket for the men's kickoff dinner you need to get those purchased Uh, that's not this Friday but a week from Friday so it's getting very close to get that Uh, also the mountain movers have their mid winter uh, dinner coming up next month there's a sign up back at that table and there's an online sign up for it too you can go onto our website and sign up for it you got to make sure you sign up because they need to know how many wants chicken and how many wants the the filet mignon. It's a choice between two things. Anyway, you've got to pick it out. They've got a, got a place for you to choose which one of the two you want. So make sure you sign up for that. And then it does cost for that meal. So we've got to pay for it too. Uh, but we need to get that signed up so they can make sure they purchase enough uh, items for that. So those are uh, the upcoming announcements that we've got to deal with here in the near future. A lot of times when uh, pastors get up to speak, there's some things that are just burning in their heart that they want to talk about. And there's sometimes when... There's some things that God wants to talk to us about, and I think tonight's message is probably as much for me as it is for any of you guys. Uh, It's one of those times, but uh, I know that God is speaking to me, and the title of the message tonight is, I am going to get through this. How many of you think you're going to get through what you're going through? Amen. We're going to do it. Sometimes life seems to be so hard and tough, and things just aren't going. The way that we've got it planned out and just when it seems like nothing else could possibly go wrong, it does. It seems overwhelming and people get depressed. I've had a good friend, missionary friend, that this year got to that spot. Now she had some medication that helped her get to that spot. And she took her life, a missionary. I'm thinking, wow, how could it be that bad? What was it? But that medicine can affect your mind. And she had, she had been taking some medicine. She was having problems sleeping, and they gave her some medicine. And we attended her funeral. It, it was, it's, it's not fun. People get depressed. He just told us that this last Monday was called Blue Monday. I didn't have a clue, and I did not tell him what we're talking about. So I thought I'd left my notes on up here or something when it came up. They weren't. When we begin to feel like everyone and everything's against us, everything we know how to do, it all seems futile. It seems the more effort we put into trying to solve our problems, the worse our problems get. And sometimes even our friends and our families we think are conspiring against us. It's bad enough when our enemies or people we don't know cause us trouble. When it's our own families and friends, it even hurts more. And sometimes we know they're not trying to hurt us. Sometimes they are trying to hurt you. Uh, But sometimes they're not trying to hurt us. And sometimes they don't even know that they have hurt us. And when we know they don't know, that even hurts us a little more. Because we're thinking, well, if they really loved us, like Pastor talked about on Sunday, they would know that you can't say that to me. That's a problem. I don't think I'm the only person who's ever felt this way. Sometimes one man's crisis seems so small when it's compared to somebody else's troubles. You might look at me and say, I'll trade problems with you any day of the week. And you might. Doesn't change the fact that I'm still going through a problem. Still a crisis. You've got a crisis in your life that's different from the one that's in my life. But you're still going through it. And sometimes it's not just one thing. But maybe it's all of the things of life that just piled together and it just like it just won't stop. And that last thing that comes on us, it's like the straw that breaks the camel's back. We get mad at that one thing. But it was really all of those things that put us in that spot. And everything's piled together. There was a book out several years ago titled, Well-Intentioned Dragons. Uh, We bought this book and we were reading it. Uh, In this book, it, it talks about. People who are sincere, well-meaning Christians who are in every church. They're here, they mean well, but what they do is they leave ulcers, strained relationships, and hard feelings in their wake. They don't mean to be difficult. They don't consciously plot to destruction or to breed discontent among the members. That's not their goal, but they do, many times, undermine the ministry of the church. And they make pastors even question their callings at times. They went through in this book, they would cover a lot of different scenarios and a lot of different issues. And one of them that just stood out to me a lot, this pastor had a guy in his church that would critique every message that he preached. And and he he would write down how he thought this famous television preacher would preach that message. And he'd write all the notes out on it. At the end of service, he didn't come up to the pastor and say, wow, what a great message, thank you for that. He says, hey, got some notes for you. This is how this pastor would have preached it. Now, in his mind, he was trying to help that pastor become a better preacher. But as a pastor who's up there preaching, he just felt like, well, he don't like anything I do. And it was depressing, and it got to the spot that it finally drove that pastor to just resign. He couldn't take it. Now, there are times when people come up to me and try to tell me that I do a good job, and I struggle with that because I try to... I just struggle with saying just thank you. I've try, I'm trying to teach myself, and I'm 63, and I'm still learning. Just say thank you when people do it, because it's hard for me to do that. Because I'm always thinking it can be better, something I could do different. Well, Pastor, what's my scriptural thought for this basis? Why would you say you're going to get through it? There's got to be something that would lead you to this spot. In the book of Genesis, there's a character there that more is written about him ...than anybody else in that book. His name is Joseph. And the lesson starts when he finds himself in a place that he never thought was possible. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis chapter 37. We're going to begin reading here. You can follow along with this. It says, so when Joseph came to his brothers... Wait, that's his family. When he came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe... The ornate robe he was wearing. And they took him and threw him in the, to the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. So here's the setting or the background for the story. Joseph was a young man. He's about 17 years old when this story starts. About 17. His own brothers take him and throw him into this cistern, this pit they've got there. Now this type of pit, the way it was dug, it would start wider and it would get narrower as it went down. So they threw him down and he just got stuck. As he got down into the bottom of this pit. He's down in there and he's screaming out for help from the bottom of this pit. You say, well, he didn't say that there. I know it didn't there, but it does down at chapter 42, verse 21. It says, we saw, the brothers are talking, it says, we saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with his life, with us for his life. How many of you plead for your life with, oh, please get me out of here. No, you're screaming. If you're going to plead for your life, you're going, come on, get me out of here. You're screaming. He's screaming for help. He's 17 years old. He's so emotionally tormented by this, he's screaming for his life. And his brothers are so dysfunctional, they are so messed up, that while he's pleading for his life, they say, we wouldn't listen. You ever have somebody that's pleading for help and you just kind of turn a deaf ear to them? I don't, don't raise your hand. These are the sons of Jacob. These are the grandsons of Abraham. These are the men that 10 of the 12 tribes of Israel are named after. Think about that. God has to do a major amount of work in these men to turn them around. But on this day, these guys were just plain mean. There's no other way to look at this. They're just mean. They're not somebody you want your nation named after. Genesis 37 verse 4 says, They hated Joseph. (coughs) Think about that. The ten tribes of Israel named after people that went around hating their own brother? So, Joseph is thrown into this pit. This is not something he woke up that morning saying, I think today I'm going to get thrown into a pit. It was unexpected. He didn't expect it to happen. And you know, in life, that happens to us things we aren't looking for hit us. We have something that goes wrong that we just didn't think was going on. You go to the doctor for a regular checkup, and all of a sudden there's some major diagnosis. Where did that come from? Disaster doesn't call ahead. It doesn't tell us, hey, I'm coming. You go to work thinking everything's okay, and they say, we don't longer need you anymore. You get betrayed by a family member or a friend. It's unexpected, and not only is it unexpected, but it's unfair. The rules change, and all of a sudden, you're out. Joseph's brothers abused him and then they abandoned him. When you've been thrown into a pit and you're screaming for your life, I call that abuse. And then they just walked away. They abandoned him, left him there. Then they saw this tribe of people coming across. They go back. They get him out and they sell him into slavery. Now that's unfair. He didn't get up thinking this is going to happen. And some of you Right now, you're going through circumstances that are unfair. you got some things that, I didn't expect this. This is not what I, how my life was planned. I didn't know this was going to happen to me. And when your own family throws you into a pit, you kind of get left with some trust issues. I mean, who can you trust? You can't trust your brothers. I've got a brother. And 85% of the time, I can trust him. And I'm not kidding. But this type of event can scar you for life. It'll leave you uncertain about everything and everybody. You can become dysfunctional. And you begin to think about the position that Joseph's in. And then you try to relate to where you are in your own life. It becomes a heavy atmosphere. It's not a happy place. You're stuck in a pit. Not a happy place. How many of you remember the Hee Haw show from years ago? Remember those guys who would lay on the porch and sing Gloom, Despair, and Agony on Me? Oh, you guys know that song, huh? Well, let's watch them sing a verse of this, all right?
1: <laughs> Gloom, Despair, and Agony on Me Whoa. And depression, excessive misery Into mine for bad luck, i have no luck at all With despair and agony on me The preacher said something Sunday that sure did hurt Said man came from dust and to dust he will return and I guess it's no surprise that his message pleased our wives. Because ever since then, they've been treating us like we was dirt. We've <laughs> 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 oh, no, got and pagody on fear. Oh. Deep dark depression, excessive misery. Oh. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Don't swear with pagody
0: on me. I don't want you leaving here depressed tonight. You can watch that. <laughs> you, can be, you can get happy just laughing at those guys. Joseph's story doesn't stop with him being thrown into this pit. It goes on. He's sold into slavery. He's put into prison. He's accused of rape. He's wrongly convicted. He's betrayed again. And at some point there, Joseph's got to be looking back thinking, you know, that pit wasn't all that bad. <laughs> You know, I thought it could get worse, and then it did. Joseph couldn't even get good luck. He couldn't buy it. Yet, he navigates his way through all of these issues, and he comes out with a great attitude. I'm thinking, how did he do this? Well, in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, we find how Joseph got out of that depression. His circumstances were deep. His trouble was real. He wasn't depressed. How did he keep away from the attitude? That if it weren't for bad luck, he wouldn't have any luck at all. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. You brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. The New North American Standard Bible says, as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good. Sometimes God prepositions people he places people into certain circumstances and into certain places so that when God is ready for them, he's got them right there and he he can put them in and they can step in and do what God wants them to do. But many times, we don't like it where God puts us. So we pack up and move. And then when God needs us, we're not where he wanted us. Uh Uh-oh. Joseph had to go into the pit before he could go to the palace that he was in in Genesis chapter 50. The, I just read to you the North American or New American Standard Bible as saying, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Joseph is talking to those same brothers when, in chapter 50 that threw him into the pit. And he tells them, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. For most of us, we would be looking at these brothers. We'd be thinking, okay, you're mine now. Last time you were in charge, you were bigger than me, there was a lot of you, this time you're mine. You tried to kill me, I'm gonna have you killed. You hurt me, I'm gonna hurt you. You betrayed me, I'll betray you. You lied to me, I'll lie to you. You stole from me, I'll steal from you. You talk bad about me, I'm going to talk bad about you. You cause me trouble, I'm going to cause you trouble. That's how we think. Joseph didn't do that. So how did he keep his attitude right? Well, in that New American Standard Bible, by the way, each Bible translates things a little differently, and the New American Standard Bible is one of the ones that's closest to the literal translation of any of them. It's, it's more of a literal type thing. And the word they use there, he said, you meant, the word you meant evil for me, the word that's translated there, he used it twice in that word. Joseph did not speak English. He wasn't using the English word meant. He was using Hebrew, and the word that he spoke there in the Hebrew language, uh, means a little different than that, and it opens up this picture of Joseph's concept of God. It gives us the catalyst for him to get through this, and I believe it can help us start to get through whatever we're going through. Because mint in Hebrew gives us a picture of a master weaver, someone who weaves material and designs into material so that when it's finished, you can see the finished product, and you understand why each thread has to be exactly where it goes. Joseph's concept of God was of one who could weave the good and the bad, the sunshine and the rain. He could weave it together into this tapestry of his design for Joseph's life. Think about that with me. God brought about good in Joseph's life. He took those threads of pain and frustration and uncertainty and he weaved them together to the dream that he gave Joseph. To the talent That he gave Joseph. To the attitude that he had given Joseph. And Joseph takes all of that. It's all put together. And he ends up being the prime minister. God was weaving his character through the pit. Through the prison. To develop him into the man that he needed to be. God had to pre-position him into the king's prison. So that when the king had his dreams. He could find Joseph. And Joseph could save the kingdom. God... Never waste an experience. Touch your neighbor and say, God never wastes an experience. God will redeem our history. He has a way of redeeming our deepest, darkest days. And rather than there being depression, God is weaving into our lives exactly what we need so we can become what He wants us to become. When we're in the pit, we can't conceive of the palace that God has for us. But God conceives. God knows. When we're going through our problems, we want to rebuke them. We want to command them to leave. We want to look for a different way. I got a little, it's a minute long video here of a lady who's doing weaving. I want you to look at the intricacies and how she goes about this and all the different threads. Can you play that video, please?
1: Не анула.
0: Go going through every one of those threads one at a time and putting your things through there, make it the right spot.
1: you hanging
0: She can tell what the final result's going to be when she gets done. Master weavers can do that. When our family is so dysfunctional that it will abuse each other, there's a problem. Did you ever notice inside the church, inside the Christian family, we have a tendency to abuse each other? We will pick at each other until we can kill our spirit. And while we're going through this and being the one that's being picked on, It's hard for us to see the fact that one day God's going to use us to reconcile those very people that are picking on us. That's where Joseph was. But God can see that. The master weaver takes the destiny of our lives and the mistakes and the sins, the sins that we commit and the sins that others commit against us. And he forms in us our character so he can use us in a mighty way that we can't even see or imagine. Joseph sees God... In his eyes, as the master weaver, Joseph sees God working in his life one incident at a time. God's weaving together this final product, but each piece has to be there, or that final product won't look the way the master intended for it to be. Now, put that thought process together with the rest of this verse. He said, You meant it for evil, God meant it for good, in order to bring about this present result. And the present result that Joseph was talking about, he's, at the time, he was now prime minister. He had an economic plan to provide for the nation in a time of economic downturn. Don't you wish that all politicians had an economic plan to provide for us in a time of an economic downturn? Notice the phrase in that verse, he says, to bring about. In the Hebrew, it shows God not only as the master weaver, but that meant the second time it says to bring about, it brings him about the master builder. He's a master builder. It's a unique picture of God being the one who constructs or the master builder. It's a picture of one who comes into a situation and takes the materials he has on hand and he begins to build. He doesn't need all new material because he's a master builder. He sees what nobody else can see. He can do things with you and who you are and what you have that nobody else even thought possible. The master builder can take the emotional mess that we are from being in the pits and in the prison, from being picked on by everybody in her family, from being abused and abandoned. He can take all of that and everything we go through and still construct something that's dynamic and influential for his kingdom. One of the shows my wife likes to watch, and my wife gets to be here tonight. I think since I've been back, this is her second time to hear me preach at this church. She's been working all the time, and I'm happy she does. But one of the shows my wife likes to watch is on the Home and Garden channel. It's called Love It or List It. And in that show, there's a real estate agent who's the guy and then there's this lady who's kind of an architect designer and they go to a family that they either going to have to remodel their home or they're going to sell it and move somewhere else. And so the lady, she's working to keep them in their home. That's her job. And she'll, she'll look the place over and she'll start coming come up with ideas on how she can remodel things and how she can fix things in this house to keep them there. And she works with her designers. And they take the material and everything that exists. They try to use it as much as they can to do the remodel of the house in an effort to keep the family in their home, not to sell it move somewhere else. And it's amazing the makeover she's able to do in these homes. She has to use a lot of what's already there. She doesn't start from scratch. She takes what she has and she begins to build on that. And sometimes she has to get beneath the surface, and then when she gets down there, she finds damage. It's been done by neglect or by abuse that she's got to repair before she can begin to rebuild. We talk about Jesus being a master builder. No one is a close second to him. Sometimes God takes what we already have and He finds the damage that's been done by the abuse or the neglect and He begins to repair it. He begins to fix us up. and He starts building us into what He had planned all along. He can come into the brokenness and the despair of our lives. All the broken pieces where everyone else would say, there's no hope. They're too damaged. They are too messed up. The master builder says, I can fix it. I can take all of that. I can add some new material. I can build it in something you never thought was possible. Joseph saw God as a master weaver and as a master builder. He could take all the issues in his life and build them into what God had given him in that dream so long ago. In Missouri, we had some really good friends. It was a big family. And when I met them, they were all Christians. In fact... The dad of the family was our pastor. The boys, all pastored churches. There were six boys and one girl. And every boy was a pastor of a church. And the daughter was married to a preacher. Every one of them were working in that. But we got to know them. got to become real close friends. And we'd go to their house. And at Christmas time, they'd get out some old home videos. And I'm watching who they used to be. They used to be George Jones' backup band. And the video of them sitting there with my pastor, passed out drunk across his steel guitar, of, the, of our state youth director, standing up there flirting with the girls as they're walking by while his wife is standing right next to him. Of all of the stuff that's going on in this family, I'm looking at that and going, these are the people that are preaching to us? But God can take all of that damage and all of that brokenness. And when God started saving them one at a time, one at a time, until today every one of them are serving God. Every one of them is in church. So don't think your family is so dysfunctional. God can't use it. God can take them from anywhere. He can take them from anywhere, and He can build them into what He wants them to be. Remember Joseph's coat of many colors? When those brothers took that coat from him, they soaked it in goat's blood. And this was out of my daily reading from yesterday. I'm a different part of the book than you are. They thought they would never have to deal with their brother again. We got this done. The most dysfunctional family in their county... Don't be discouraged you think your family is dysfunctional. You may think God will never use my family. They're too messed up. God took these people and named 10 of the 12 tribes of Israel. And when we get to heaven, their names are inscribed on the stones in the wall of heaven. Think about that. The people that threw him in the pit and sold him. God can turn it around. On the other side, if you think you have nothing wrong in your family and there's nothing wrong in your life, then you're not thinking clearly. Because we all have issues. But in this family, they had no idea they would grow old together and that Joseph would be the one to pull them all back together and initiate that reconciliation. So what does the master weaver have in mind concerning you? What is he working on that will be brought into your life this week? Maybe this message is for uh, someone who will be getting some bad news. I don't know. Maybe you already got that bad news and you're trying to figure out what are you going to do? But I want you to know something. You're going to get through this. You're going to get through this. It may not be this week. It may not be this year. It may not be next year. But if you have this concept that Jesus is the master weaver, Jesus is the master builder, you can hold on to see what he has in mind for you long term. If you don't see God like this, you're going to stress yourself out thinking you have to fix everything. There's nothing like trying to fix something that's out of your control. If we don't have this concept, we're going to think our problems are huge and our God is small. And we're going to live in constant anxiety. We come into church and we sing, It is well with my soul. and in our, That's what we're singing with our lips and our mind. We're going gloom, despair, agony on me. Some of you have had a week of depression and trouble, and even though you may be in church tonight, it's not even in your mind that next week's going to be better than this week. You don't see God as having any plan for what you're going through in your life. Paul, when he wrote to the Romans, he had this same picture in his mind of a master weaver and a master builder. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It's a very familiar scripture. It says, We know that in all things... God works for the good of those who love Him. Paul understood this process too. When you're in the middle of it, and everything's going wrong, when your marriage is falling apart, when your bills can't be paid, when your doctor's telling you you got a serious issue, when your friends and family are betraying you, and your boss is laying you off, and your children are telling you they don't love you anymore, it's difficult to see how this is going to work out for my good. So how do we get that concept? of the master weaver and a master builder. Listen to what I'm about to tell you, because I'm thinking this is going to help encourage you. you got to look at it from a different perspective. The Israelites were brought through the Red Sea on dry ground. Pharaoh has released his best men, 600 of his chariots, and they've trapped, they've chased the Israelites, they've trapped them between the Red Sea and the soldiers. There's no way out. But the Word of God says, I'll bring you through this. The Spirit of God started to move on the water. It rolled the water back, and they walked right through the trap. They got to the other side, and God closed the trap on Pharaoh and his men. Then God told them, and I love this, The enemy you see today, you will see no more forever. No more forever. How I you mean, like to say some of your enemies? I'm not going to ever see you again, huh? Some of the problems you got, boy, this is it. I'm done. I'm never seeing you again. That's a word we can hang on to. In the book of Daniel, he's not protected from the lion's den. He has to go through the lion's den. We don't be protected and kept out of it, but sometimes we got to go through the lion's den. God showed up and brought him through it. Not one lion ever touched him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego—they got to go through the fire. They don't get to avoid the fire. When they came out, they didn't even smell like smoke. You can't walk past a fire that's burning and not get that smell on your clothes. They are in the fire and didn't get the smell on their clothes. The only thing that happened to them is they went into the fire. They were bound, but when they came out of the fire, they were set free. They were loose when they came out of the fire. The psalmist wrote, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Read this verse with me. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. We have a God who by character and nature has proven time and time again, He's a way maker. And I'm going to tell you again tonight, I can say this by God's word, you will come through this time of trouble. You'll get through it. I'm here to tell you God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same God that parted the Red Sea, that shut the mouths of the lions. The God that brought Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego through the fire. The God that David said was with him in the valley of the shadow of death is the same God that's with us today. He's still a way maker. He can still deliver us today. And I don't care how tough your situation may seem to you, God can make a way. God's weaving and God is building and you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which were ordained before you were even born. God is up to something in your life, and he's going to bring you through it. Somebody ought to give him some praise. Hallelujah. Joseph was thrown into the pit when he was 17 years old. But he doesn't get to be prime minister until he's 37. That's 20 years. It might not be quick, but God will use this crisis for good. And look at the next part. We don't don't be foolish. Sometimes in crisis, people do some stupid things in order to try to fix something instead of let God do his weaving and building. I've been going through something in my own life that's, that's caused me a lot of grief, caused me a lot of heartache, a lot of problems. And, you know, you get to a spot where you're going... Am I even making a difference? And Sunday, Pastor preached on this love of God and this agape love and, and, and how, how this is the kind of love we need to have in our life. And, and when he finished the first service, you know, because we pastors on staff, we stay through both services. So we sat through the first service, and we got through, and we went on, we took care of the business we had to take care of and everything. And I came back up right, Pastor Wayne had started playing. He gets two minutes to play his music before, two minutes before we started. And came back up, and I sat down here in my seat, and I'm thinking about that message and thinking, is there something we made a difference? And as I'm thinking, I opened my thing up and uh, just opened my, my phone, opened Facebook up. And the first thing that popped up on there was a video from the Cayman Islands, from the church that we completed structures in there. And they were in the middle of the church service. They were streaming it live on Facebook, and they tagged me so I would see it. And I'm looking at that, and I'm going, I know that person, and I know that person, and I know that person. And I scrolled down to the next video, the next thing in line, and it was from Jamaica, Kingston, Jamaica. And the church there, they were streaming their service live. And I looked at that young man, and I'm going, wow, thank you, God. I want to show you, I think I've got his picture. His, his name is Musa, M-U-S-A, and her name is Chanika. Yeah, you can't make those names up, folks. That's, that's their names, Musa and Chanika. And Musa and Chanika were in our Bible college. Chanika is one of those girls that went to our school. Some of you came down and worked with I know Dan Hilliard came down and worked with us at our school. Chanika, you actually got to meet Chanika while she was there. She followed us around that week. She was one of the students that got out of the school there. And she got, grew up, went through high schools, went on to Bible college, meets Musa in Bible college, and while they're in Bible college, they messed up. They, they made a mistake. How many of you ever made a mistake? The rest of you are going to need to pray through. In the church, people mess up, we want to throw them away. They kicked them out of Bible college. They can't stay here. And then the church, the national church director called them and said, we don't even want you to attend one of our local churches. Just threw them out. So we don't want you anywhere. Find someplace else to go. And when we heard about that, Peggy and I said, now that's one of our girls. She came through our school. We can't just throw her away. That's not acceptable. So we went looking. We found where she was. She actually had moved right close to Kingston. Hadn't moved very far away from us. So we contacted her. And we we talked to him and said, Look, guys, where are you going to church at? They said, Well, we haven't found any place to go. So we want you to come to our house Saturday night. Why don't you come over to our place? So That Saturday night, they came over to our house. And in Kingston, uh, I had been working with another young man who was also a missionary to, to Jamaica, but he was from Ghana, Africa. And he had never pastored a church before. And so he would call me just about every day of the week. All right, I got this issue. What am I supposed to do with this? How am I supposed to handle this thing? And, and we just became best friends, best friends. We spent a lot of time together. And uh, I called him up, and he was pastoring a non-denominational church, so he wasn't part of the organization. Okay, he's got this other church over here. And I called him up and said, hey, I've got a young couple the call of God on their life. And God wants to use them. I know he does. And I'd like to plug them in to your church. What do you say? He goes, well, I'd like to meet them. I said, well, bring you and your wife and your daughter and come to our house Saturday night. So we brought them all over to our house Saturday night. We brought them in. We fed them some food. And then it was a Saturday night. Maury Davis from Cornerstone up here was doing a Saturday night church service online back then. We turned it on and we watched his church service online, sat through it. Then after, we sat down and had a long talk. We didn't mince words. We didn't go through a bunch of other stuff. We just talked. Here's what happened. Here's what's going on. But they need restored. They need back in church. And I think they could fit in your church real well. The pastor said, we want them. We want them. We'll take them. And so the next morning, we all loaded up, and we went to his church. We introduced them to everybody there. Nobody at that church knew their past. Nobody at church knew their history. Nobody knew anything about them. They just could come in, and they could worship God. Nobody was putting them down. Nobody was picking on them. You come to church on Sundays, you don't know the problems people are going through in their lives. You don't have a clue what's back there. And we need to be encouraging people when we come into this place. Because something we say might make a difference. And we had to leave country probably about three or four months after that. We left Jamaica and we moved over to the Cayman Islands. But we stayed in touch. Figured out what was going on. We we, we would keep in touch with them. Musa calls me Papa. Papa. We, st- we still stay in touch to this day. About a year or so after that, my friend from Ghana, Africa, had to return to Africa. His missionary time was up. Guess who's pastoring the church in Kingston, Jamaica? We have a photo of them from New Year's Day this year. There's his crowd he's got at this church he's pastoring. You see, you may be going through a really bad time, but God says, I'm going to get you through this. And when you come out of it, it's going to be better than you thought. He had never met these people at this church because it was not in his organization. He had never met them. But God said, i got to move you over here so I can get you here. Hallelujah. Sunday, I'm sitting here, and I saw that video, and I remembered this story. And I thought, wow, that's neat. Thank you, God. Then I got home, and Frank the pastor, his not, not his real name, by the way. He took that name because he said nobody could remember his real name, which is Quofi Abranti. So he, took, he said, just call me Frank. <laughs> so that's how we called him, Frank. Anyway, Frank sent me an email, and he goes, hey, he said, I remember a message you preached. He said, and this is the name of it. Can you send me the notes for that message? I'm thinking, thank you, God, because all the way on the other side of the planet, you're using me. Then I come to church Sunday night and I'm standing here and I'm I'm feeling better because of what had happened Sunday morning, and Rick and Susan Cleveland meet me back over here and said just a couple of things, but they were so encouraging to me that I went home and I told Peggy, I said, You know what they said? They may not even remember what they said, but I remember. Very encouraging. When you come into the house, encourage each other. You don't know who you're gonna help get through. Tonight, as we close this out, I want you to listen as Jason Crabtree sings about going through the fire.
1: So many times I've questioned certain circumstances Things I could not understand Many times in trials Weakness blurs my vision Then my frustration gets so out of hand But it's then I am reminded I've never been forsaken
0: tonight. Jamie, if you put those words up on the screen. We're going this song. I know you guys probably know this song from years ago, but let's just kind of sing this together, all right? Something
1: beautiful.
0: glad He made something beautiful out of your life tonight. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.